Hello, I'm Peter Kessler, and you're listening to Reading the Break. In 2004, I flew to Spain to interview Sebi Ballesteros for Golf Magazine, and he couldn't have been nicer. We spent two days together, we played golf, I watched him hit golf balls, I had dinner with him and his family, and I said, listen, in December when you come to Orlando with your family to play in the father-son tournament, call us and come over to the house for dinner. And of course, I knew he wouldn't call, except he called. And so we sent a car for him. And they came over to the house and said he couldn't have been nicer. And he was with his wife and his three children. And my wife had always been in love with Sebi. But the first thing he did when he came into the house was he said, let me show you the scar from my operation. At which point he undid his trousers, pulled them halfway down, bent over, pulled his underwear halfway down, and you could see the scar and the crack of his butt. And that was the end of the love affair between my wife and Sebi Ballesteros. While my wife and Sebi's wife were making dinner, Sebi and I went out into the backyard. And my backyard is 33 yards wide. And on one side, I have a little artificial green, maybe 8 by 10 feet. And on the other side, a little hitting station on a piece of AstroTurf. There was a bunch of old balls out there and a couple of sand wedges. So Sevy gets onto the little tee, takes one of the sand wedges, and starts hitting these 33-yard shots. He'd hit one straight up in the air, it would come right down at the flagstick, and stop. He hit one a couple of feet above the ground, it would land right in front of the flagstick, and stop. He hit them from left to right, he hit them from right to left. He hit every imaginable shot that you could hit, and more, from 33 yards. And the first one that didn't end up at the pin, he took a look at the bottom of the sand wedge and looked at it in disdain, as if it were the club's fault, of course. He completely forgot that I was there. He just kept hitting balls at different heights, at different speeds, making different kinds of swings. It was absolutely magical. In 2000, when Arnold Palmer was 70 years old, I played a round of golf with him at Bay Hill against three other guys and Arnold shot a couple of under on the front side. I could still play a little bit then, and I was a couple over, and we beat the other three guys on the front side, eight, six, four, and two. Arnold played great on the back nine. I played pretty well, but all day Arnold had been over clubbing me. He would walk over and say, what are you hitting? And I would say, I'm hitting a seven iron. And he would say, hit the six, and I would hit the six into the back bunker and make a pretty good up and down most of the time. Well, we came to the 18th hole, and we were up 6, 4, and 2. And Arnold wanted to win one more way so that we could win 7, 5, 3, and 1 and win a little extra money. Now, as you know, the 18th hole at Bay Hill, where they play the Arnold Palmer Invitational, is a straightaway long par 4 with water on the right that could catch your second shot. Arnold hit a good drive down the left side, and hit his second shot just on the front edge of the green, but he had about 60 feet to the pin. I actually outdrove him, and I was down the right side, and the pin was on the right side where they usually have it for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, just over the water. And Arnold walked over, and he said, What are you hitting? And I said, I'm going to hit a 7-iron. And he said, No, it plays a little bit longer. Hit the 6. So he walked away, and I decided I would hit the 7, since he had overclubbed me all day long. So I hit the 7, I absolutely flushed it, and knocked it into the water. And he came over and said, what did you hit? And I told him the truth, that I hit the 7 iron. 
and he didn't want to split the money with me even though he got it up and down for a par for us to win the last hole so we would win seven five three and one on the back nine to win all of the money and later on in the clubhouse when he finally started to talk to me again he looked at me and he said you do know i won seven major championships right It's a funny thing that Arnold always had a reputation for hitting the ball sideways off the tee and hitting brilliant recovery shots. But if you talk to the guys who played against him in the early 60s like Jack and Raymond Floyd and Lee Trevino, they'll tell you that Arnold was the straightest driver on the tour, that he hit a low little draw that would go absolutely forever, and it wasn't until much later in his career that he started to hit wayward drives the straightest driver on tour in the early 60s. Everybody remembers that Greg Norman shot a 78 to lose to Nick Faldo by five shots in the 1996 Masters, Nick coming from six behind. But what's often forgotten is that Nick shot 67, and that 67 was the low round of the weekend. Angel Cabrera pretends that he doesn't speak English. When he won the U.S. Open at Oakmont, he was in the parking lot afterwards and there were a lot of reporters and he just kept putting his hands up and saying, no speak English. And finally the reporter started to walk away as I entered the parking lot. And he saw me and he said, hi Peter, how you doing buddy? In 2003 I went to interview Ben Crenshaw at his home in Austin, Texas. And when we finished there was just enough daylight to play three holes. So we went over to Austin Country Club. And on the first hole, he missed his drive, he missed his second shot, he missed his chip, he had about a 25-footer for par, and he knocked it in. The same thing happened on two. Bad drive, bad approach, bad chip, 25-footer, knocked it in for par. And the same thing happened on the third hole, another 25-footer for par. There was something about the way that his ball rolled on the green. It seemed to never bounce or hit a bump on the way to the hole. It hugged the ground, and it never seemed like the ball was going to get to the hole. And yet, of course, it did, and it was so perfectly gauged that if the hole had been a circle instead of a hole, the ball would have stopped in the exact center. For Reading the Break, I'm Peter Kessler. (laughs) 